Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to David King, the CTO at Flywire, and we discuss how to approach growing your network and creating relationships, what it takes to get your team to think like entrepreneurs, and advice for CTOs going through the M&A process. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? Fantastic, man. Where are you calling in from? Uh, I am in Boston at our uh, corporate headquarters, and I'm in a hotel because our office is under construction. Uh, we're adding another floor. So uh, I was in there this morning, and all I heard was drilling. So I'm like, that's not going to work for this podcast. So I'll run back to my hotel. So <laughs> I've done some podcasts from the hotel before. You always hope that like they don't knock on the door trying to clean the room. <laughs> yeah, I hung the do not disturb sign just before I started too. So <laughs> so you guys yeah. are building building another floor. So this is like you guys are growing. Yes, yes, we're growing like mad. So we have uh, our our Boston office. We're right uh, right off the Boston Commons, and we have two floors there. And we're growing, and we've acquired a third floor, and we're building out that floor and connecting uh, the additional floor to the others right now. So uh, a lot of construction, a lot of drilling going on. So, well, that's exciting. Growth yep. is exciting. So, how have the past couple of weeks? You said you were uh, in some like executive management meetings. Yep. Yeah. So we've been doing a lot. Uh, so Flywire is growing like mad, right? And so we got to keep everything uh, on track and going in the right direction. So two weeks ago, I did a product and engineering meeting where <clears throat> I pulled the leaders of the product group and the engineering group, which reported to me. Um, we kind of did some planning for the Q4. Uh, talk, you know, part of it too is Flywire's grown through some acquisitions. So we're pulling together different cultures and different teams. Um, so we talked about how we're going to work together as a unit going forward. Uh, then the week after that, or last week, then we had our executive team retreat, uh, kind of starting to prep for 2020 and, and where we want to go as a company for in 2020. So I like, I like how you brought everyone in from all over the world to one location to like get together, have food, talk, get to explore engineering ideas and practices. Like I thought that was just a really cool, what I experienced of it was a really cool event. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And thanks for showing up and helping facilitate some of that. Right. So, so it was fun. Yeah. Part of it's, you know, learning to work together and, you know, being social with each other. Right. Uh, one, one of my mantras is people do business with people. And so if you get to know someone on a personal level, you're going to work better with them. Right. And so that part of that part of that is not only going through some long days, which you're a part of, of working, but then some fun evenings together, socializing and, and getting to know someone at a different level. Yeah, the relate the personal relationship just makes it like so much more interesting, right? That's right. Yep. And that way you can solve problems better too. Cause if you if something someone has an opinion or doesn't align with your opinion and you kind of know them personally, you know where they're coming from more, right? And you're able to then be able to interact with that person and work towards a solution better because you understand their point of view a little better. That rather than, oh, this guy's just fighting me on a topic or whatever, right? So, so today you're the CTO of Flywire, this massive payments company. That's awesome. They got their start yep. in education payments, right? Correct. And, and then but you weren't always just like the CTO. You've, you've been a CTO, you've been a founder, you've, you're very entrepreneurial. 
Correct. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm an entrepreneur at heart uh, with a techno technological background. So um, this has been my third, fourth, fourth startup uh, that I've been through uh, and and sold in in some form or fashion. So uh, kind of like a you know history on on how I got in into this space, right? Um, so I kind of took a, a, a different path uh, than, than most people, I think, because uh, I wasn't a classically trained engineer, right, uh, or software developer. Uh, my background's in physics and mathematics. Uh, I was actually <clears throat> working on my, my PhD in physics, uh, and then I decided to, to drop out and, and pursue a, a path in engineering. But how I got to engineering was I fell in love with computers more as a hobby. Uh, so, you know, my very first access uh, to a computer was in, in high school, uh, did some basic programming on a TRS-80 Model 4, right? Uh, so nothing like 10, print, hello world, 20, go to 10, run, and just let that iterate over and over, right? Like go-tos were your favorite statements in the world back then. Um, <clears throat> but in high school, I didn't, like, I was like, oh, that was kind of cool, but it wasn't like, I didn't have a passion. I didn't really build a passion for it at, at that point in time. Uh, I still was was chasing down the world of of physics. Uh, then when I was in my undergraduate degree, I was taking uh, a numerical analysis class, and <clears throat> we're doing approximations using like Runge Cutter rules, Simpson method. And I was like, one day I was like, man, grinding all this mathematics sucks. I was like, I bet you a computer's really good at this. Uh, so I picked up a book, uh, learned Pascal on the fly. And then I started doing my homework uh, rather than doing it handwritten. I wrote uh, programs to do all the approximations and I turned that in. And uh, my math professor was really cool. He accepted that as, <laughs> as homework. Uh, and he was like, hey, this is pretty cool that you're doing this. And so he kind of uh, started teaching me some extra programming. Uh, so that's how I first kind of got into it. And then more of like, hey, I could use a computer to make my life easier and solve some some business problems. Um, so that's kind of how I, I got into 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 technology as itself. Um, then when I went to work on my PhD, I worked in a field of physics called condensed matter, uh, and that's where I even did more programming. So condensed matter physics basically <clears throat> deals with um, what are the properties of uh, a solid or some matter and how do the atomic and electronic interactions predict the outcome of these things, right? So the, you know, that's led to like a bunch of solid state uh, transistors, things along those lines, right? That's kind of uh, what, what uh, condensed matter physics uh, focuses on, focuses on the macroscopic and microscopic properties of matter. Um, <clears throat> And so in doing that though, there was a emerging field in, of uh, condensed matter physics called computational physics, rather than again, kind of hand cranking all of the theory, people were starting to write programs to simulate this theory. Uh, so I picked up Fortran and C++ and started writing programs to simulate atomic interactions. Uh, and <clears throat> so again, that's, I just kept learning and applying it to, to problems I had. Uh, and in that day, we we're doing a bunch of Monte Carlo simulations, and we were doping basically rare earth elements into materials to see how that would influence uh, superconductive uh, superconductivity in the in the material. Uh, and so that's like how I got into programming, and I just saw the the the, the how you can apply it to solving business use cases. 
and I just wanted to merge the two. And then that led me to being an entrepreneur to apply technology. And so like, what was the first moment when you saw a, a business problem and it kind of all came together? So one of the first things, so I, I did work for a company straight out of graduate school, but I only worked for them for a little bit. And I was like, ah, uh, I, I want to go do my own thing. So I, so I started a consulting company of my own and I landed a, a consulting gig at a, a large um, uh, pharmaceutical company. And back then, the, the companies would submit and, you know, as you're working through a new drug and trying to get it to market, um, you would go through a series of clinical trials, which is, you know, basically it's past all the animal testing and everything, but now you're testing these on, on humans. And you have to just capture just tons and tons of data, right? And then you compile all this data to submit it to the FDA to, to get approval. Um, and I was like uh, at the company, they brought me in to work on a, a project and I saw this going on. Uh, and this was like early nineties. Uh, and I was like, I was like, why are we having doctors fax all this data into us? And then we have all these people like gathering up all these fax documents and with data on it. And then we're rekeying it, you know, and then we're still bundling up a paper document, a uh, massive paper book and sending it to the FDA. Like this process can be electronified. Uh, so we built a, a system at that large pharmacy. We were one of the first, uh, far, uh, first large pharmaceutical companies to build an electronic drug submission process. So basically, uh, you know, wasn't great back then. This was pre, pre true internet, right? So we went out, put workstations at the doctors, uh, built a client server application in a 4GL known as Uniface, uh, which was from CompuWare back in the day, um, put modems out there. They would dial up and they would key all the data in into the system rather than faxing it. And then the system continued to aggregate. And then we ultimately submitted all that data electronically. Uh, and that, that was one of the first applications of doing a electronic uh, drug submission. So that's pretty uh, cool. like, streamline the process, streamline the speed of approval. Cause we also were able to, uh, you know, uh, provide cleaner data and provide results and some metrics on that data as we were submitting it rather than, you know, rather than the FDA itself going through all the paperwork. So, um, so that was one of my, my first, first, uh, earlier use cases of solving a, a business problem. So. So we get questions from the audience all the time and kind of let them stack up and I look for the right people to answer these questions. So one question we've got is, you know, as an entrepreneur with that founder type mindset, like how do you get your team and your employees to think and solve problems like an entrepreneur? Yeah. So that's a good question. You know, it's always about, to me, it's always been about putting the customer first uh, as an entrepreneur, right. And, and working and thinking about what the, the possibilities are. Um, so, you know, there's, I always say, we don't see challenges, we see opportunities, right? And getting everyone to see that and see the potential outcome and, and think about what if we did this, what, what impact would it have? How would it improve business? You know, can we increase revenue for a company? Can we decrease costs? Can we do both? Like if you've got a company that can do both, then you're, you're amazing by applying some uh, technology that way. So it's just creating a, a culture and a mindset to, to be exploratory, uh, and, and to not, be uh, fearful of challenges, but see those as opportunities uh, to change something. So, and and for for founders who 
or maybe just executives, like let's, let's say there's been actually a lot of mergers and acquisition activity going on. If you watch like PitchBook or any sort of follow yep. any type of financial institution. So that's actually something I get asked a lot is like, what type of advice do you have for CTOs or VPs of engineering technology leaders that are going through uh, M&A process? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, like if you're, if you're, depends on what side of the, the equation you are on, on that, right? <clears throat> but let's assume you're on the uh, being acquired side, all right? Because uh, it's happened to me several times. Number one, you know, if you are going to be acquired, make sure the acquiring company, you have the right culture fit. Like first and foremost, you've got to have a good culture fit. Uh, you've got to be comfortable with the people that are acquiring you. Um, you know, uh, that that's, to me, that's number one. If you, all other things could be there, like, hey, it may look like we'll kill the market. The technology is completely aligned. But if there's not people alignment, none of that's going to come to fruition. Uh, so, cause you, you know, I've always looked like an M and a, uh, like you're getting married, right. Uh, to this, to this other company. That's exactly what it is. They're, they're making a proposal to you. You're getting engaged and you're going to go through a honeymoon. So the first six months of the, the acquisition is going to feel like awesome. Then month six is going to hit and you're going to go, Oh my God, what did I do? Right. Uh, <laughs> so, so you have to approach it as though you would approach any type of like marriage. Like, is this really the right partner for me? How will I feel about this partner year one, year two, two year three, right? Well, will I be long-term committed to them or not? So an acquiring company does an awful lot of diligence on the, the company they're buying. But I <clears throat> would say that the company that's being acquired needs to apply reverse diligence and do the same level back uh, to make sure it's a good fit. So, so I researched Flywire before I went and spoke uh, to yep. your teams. You guys have an unbelievably high culture rating on like Glassdoor and different sites. People leave amazing reviews for what it's like to work at Flywire. Like, why? Why, why do you think it's like that? Uh, so we've focused hard on building a open culture. Um, you know, like our like you know, I was in, I'm in our office that's under construction. Um, no executives have offices. Our CEO Mike uh, Massaro is right out in the open. So like anyone, literally anyone wants to come up and ask him a question, they can at any point in the day. Uh, same with me, same with with, uh, with anyone in the company. So, you know, it's just a complete open culture, open transparency uh, about everything that we do. Uh, we promote fun, right? So, so working hard and not having fun just leads to burnout. So we promote having a good time while doing it, right? And the focus on, on our customer. Um, I think what's also unique uh, that adds some uh, high rating for us too is we're very multicultural. So we've got 10 offices throughout the world, right? And one of the things that a lot of our people can do, if you wanted to do a sabbatical and go to another office for six months, you're more than welcome to do that. So we've got an office in Valencia, Spain. So if someone wanted to pick up and go work out of our Spain office and enjoy the summer there, they can, they can totally go and do that. So it's, it's, uh, we're very open about letting people move around and, and shift and, and find, find what they want uh, to do. So, um, just a high level of collaboration too across across everyone. Can you remind me of the the founding story about like how Flywire got started? Yeah, so the uh, original founder was a man named Iker McCade. Um, so he was from Spain, um, and he was coming to the to the U.S. to a school in Boston uh, to study. Uh, I believe he was working on uh, a graduate degree. And, you know, international students have to have to pay the school in full, right? You don't get financial aid and, and so forth. 
And if there's at that point in time, there's not a really great way to, to pay a school internationally. Typically what you would do is either do a wire or some type of bank transfer, um, but the banks aren't great at it either. And so basically what happens is, you know, you initiate a transfer from Spain to some school in Boston. It goes through a couple of bank hops. Everyone takes a piece of their money along the way, right? Cause there's fees. So let's say, you know, the school says, Hey, your tuition's $10,000, right? So first of all, you've got to convert from euros to USD. Then there's some cuts along the way. And lo and behold, not $10,000 shows up in the school bank account, some other number, but there's also no information that went along with it. So they don't know like who transferred that money. Right. Now it also doesn't match a tuition rate that they've built. So they're like, Hey, what is this $9,253 for? Whose is it? You know, there's no student ID. It doesn't match anyone we build this amount. So then there's all this confusion. And so what happened is that happened to Iker. He transferred money. He showed up at this school and they're like, we never got your tuition payment. You're not enrolled anymore. <laughs> so he was like, this is a problem. Uh, he's like, I've got, got proof of that I did this. And so he basically set out to solve that problem and make it easier for, for international students to, um, to, to pay schools and also to solve the problem because this was a huge reconciliation issue for colleges and universities, right? They, they have staff dedicated to solving this problem in the past. Uh, so it also, again, provided a business value to the school of improved reconciliation, improved matching to the students, and a better student experience because now the student shows up and every, everything's paid. Um, so Flywire was created to, to solve that problem in higher education um, for an international student to initiate a payment in their local currency, get it converted into the uh, arriving currency. Um, with no fees taken and the exact dollar amount matched, as well as metadata about that student flowing. So when the school sees that deposit, they also see it's for David King, as an example. You could just, I could feel as you're telling the story, like that, that feeling of, you know, you get off a plane in a new country, you go to this school, you show up, you're going to live there, you have essentially all your belongings with you. And they say, you know, you don't have your payment, you've been unenrolled, <laughs> right? Like right. that's a horrible feeling. Right. Yeah. You yeah. land in a, in a foreign country. You're all excited. And the first thing is, sorry, you may have to go back home. Right. <sighs> <laughs> not a not a good user experience by any stretch of the imagination. So that's where they got their start. And then they yep. expanded from education into healthcare payments. And that's when they ran into you. Right. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, so that's where we got our start uh, today. Um, in terms of Flywire, we are in we have local banking accounts in over 46 markets uh, throughout the world. Um, so we're moving money and helping kids get, come come across uh, to school. Uh, and again, likewise, we go the other way. So a U.S. student going over to the U.K. Uh, to study, as an example. So uh, funds flow go go both ways. Um, <clears throat> so what that was uh, Flywire's core was international student payments. Um, they started to diversify into doing uh, healthcare international payments. So, you know, that's kind of medical tourism is becoming a thing, right? So someone from overseas wants to come to the U.S. Uh, for maybe some plastic surgery or something like that, you know, or, you know, what's not uncommon, someone has a heart condition and wants to go to the Cleveland Clinic, right? Cause it's like the best heart hospital in, in the country. Um, <clears throat> so similar problem existed for international patients wanting to come to the U.S. for, for better health care. Um, so 
Flywire started to expand in that. Uh, that market isn't quite as as big as as the education market is in terms of international payers. Um, my previous company that I co-founded with uh, John Talaga called OnPlan, we were in healthcare and higher education. Um, in the higher education market, we focused on domestic students, right? Where Flywire was international students, so students that are are pay, you know U.S. students paying USD, you know, interacting with, with the schools. Uh, and we do do tuition and billing and payment and payment plans for, for the higher education, domestic higher education students. Uh, we also were big in healthcare. That was where we really first started. Um, so in the healthcare market, we started on plan in, in 2014. And we set out to solve the high deductible uh, healthcare plan that, that's facing the uh, US patients today. Um, so I'm not sure if everyone knows the statistic, but basically an unplanned medical event can bankrupt nearly 60% of the U.S. population today. Um, the average, <clears throat> average American has just a little north of like $600 in their savings account. Uh, and so if you have a unplanned medical event that's north of that and you have a high deductible healthcare plan, which is typically for an individual like $2,500 out of pocket, you have a bad financial situation arising, right? Um, so what we set out to do was was help um, uh, patients uh, make healthcare more affordable, as well as also solve the problem that this was creating for the uh, healthcare providers. Um, so before high deductible healthcare plans, um, roughly 90% of their revenue came from uh, a payer. Well, in healthcare, a payer historically was the insurance company would be the insurance company paying for the medical expense. 10% was typically covered by the patient. Um, with high deductible healthcare plans, that's almost, that switched to from 90-10 to 70-30. So now there's 30% and going north of that, that's now paid by the patient. Um, but healthcare institutions really didn't change the way they build and collected. And so now they started to have a receivables problem growing. Um, so what we did in, in uh, the healthcare system is we applied some of our knowledge from higher education of offering students payment plans for when they have a gap between financial aid and their, uh, and their tuition expense. And so <clears throat> uh, we rolled out a system to, to healthcare that auto-qualified patients for um, payment plans. So instead of getting a, a statement that says, hey, Joel, you owe us $1,000, good luck paying, uh, you would get a statement that says, hey, Joel, you uh, have a $1,000 bill, you could pay in full, or we'll set you up on a payment plan. Uh, and so it was like auto-qualifying. And what was unique about the product and, and application, again, the solving technology and businesses, we pull in some financial scoring data on people. We mine uh, your historical payment behavior at that hospital. Uh, and then we've got an analytics algorithm that determines what is that right amount to get this individual to make that uh, monthly installment. Um, so you and I could go to the same hospital, both leave with a thousand dollar balance. Um, I'm a little more financially strapped than you. So my payment arrangement may be 10 installments at a hundred dollars a month. Uh, but yours may be four installments at 250 because we know you can write that check for 250. So we're trying to balance making it comfortable for the patient to pay and get that hospital paid as quickly as possible. That's um, like, that's huge business value. That's like, right. that's unbelievable. <clears throat> yep. Uh, so we were in that market flywire and we were at that point in time, what we were doing is we were growing so rapidly as on plan. Uh, we were out doing a, a, a raise, right? So a, a, a institutional raise, we 
before that we were all kind of friends and family funded uh, and some some angel investors so we we're doing an institutional round we had a high level of interest um sharon butler who is uh, one of the co-founders of flywire along with with iker uh her and i go way back we bumped into each other again she knew i was back in higher education as well um and so she's like, hey, we need a domestic product uh, to offer to our to our schools. Uh, you're in that. Sharon and I had a long standing history and she was like, hey, what if we came together? Um, and so so uh, Flywire and OnPlan came together in, in 2018. So again, going back to the M&A thing, like I knew that was going to be a good relationship. I knew Sharon for a long time. I knew Flywire as a company. Uh, you know, John and I did our reverse due diligence on the team to make sure that that fit was going to be perfect. And I've been through several uh, M&As in my life, and this one's been awesome. Uh, just, just synergy across the board uh, and a great, great cultural fit. So. Yeah, relationships are just massively important, right? Like that's everything happens through relationships. Uh, when you were starting on plan, did you leverage any of your existing relationships to help you get that going? Yes. Yeah. So when we, uh, John, my partner, John's experience was in, uh, he healthcare. So he, he created a company prior to on plan that was called, um, <clears throat> healthcom partners. And, uh, they, they had a, a product called patient compass. Uh, they, they actually coined the term back in the day, uh, patient friendly billing, uh, cause patient bills used to be awful and they were kind of redesigned, uh, how hospitals would bill. Uh, he sold his company to McKesson uh, Health in, in 2006. So when we started on plan, he had deep relationships in, into the healthcare market, which helped us. Um, my previous business uh, that I had started and sold was in higher education. So I had deep relationships in higher education. We reached back out to some of our favorite customers, basically saying, hey, we're coming back. Uh, <laughs> you want to work with us again? And and we, we picked up our, our early customers that way, right? They're innovative um, customers, right? We, whether the whether it was the education institution or the healthcare institution, um, they like to be viewed as innovators. So they wanted to work with a new technology company that was taking different approaches. Uh, so th those were our, our early customers. We leveraged those relationships and the fact that as a as an institution, they liked to be innovative and take some risks to, to try and change their business. Uh, so that's how we got our traction in the early days of, of OnPlan. No, that's like, that's something I'm continuously learning over and over is about relationships. So, so what sort of advice would you have for uh, newer leaders, maybe in their thirties or forties and, and they want to increase the number of meaningful relationships? Yeah. Um, you know, so I, you know, attend as many of events as you can. Right. Um, and that, that may be hard for some technologists. Like I'll, I'll say this, like I'm a massive introvert. So going to like a, a meetup uh, that's like more of a, maybe a business meetup, but like in the higher education specific. So I'm not going there to meet with a bunch of other CTOs, but I'm going to meet with like the directors of student financial services or things like that. Like that's a high stress environment for me being an introvert, right? Uh, so I gotta, I gotta apply a lot of energy and effort. But it's worth it. Uh, you got to go there because you got to meet those people. You got to get to know them because they're going to be the people that are going to be the buyers of your product, right? Um, so I look to go to to things uh, where I know there's going to be buyers of my product, so I can start to network, start to know the people. But that's where you also hear the problems that they're faced with, right? <clears throat> and so 
I use that a lot as an informational gathering session. Like I just walk around and talk to people like, hey, what's your challenge that's faced, you're being faced with today? What do you think your challenges is going to be, you know, 24 months from now? Because um, I want to get all that information to bring it back in to the product team so that we can then start to get ahead and start building those features that are, that, that are going to be pains uh, or products that are going to be pains for these, these organizations. Uh, also do a lot of meetups with other technology groups. You know, I'm involved with other CTO forums and so forth. Uh, so building that network uh, is invaluable in terms of helping you specific if you're going to be an entrepreneur uh, to, to get your business off the ground because, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of things you're, you will not know uh, or be challenged with, right? As an entrepreneur, you have to do everything, right? From you know, doing the book sometimes to doing sales, to running the technology, to cleaning the kitchen at night because no one else wants to clean the kitchen when they leave, right? Uh, <laughs> and yep. you're like, I'm not going to let my office be messy. Um, and so then you need those, you need a good network to go to for advice because, you know, you're going to know like what you don't know. You're going to run into a situation and you're like, okay, who can I tap on? that's going to give me advice and coach me through the situation or help me or, or help me find someone that could come into my company and help me. Uh, so that, that network's invaluable in terms of information. And then when you also get into to the fundraising round, um, trying to raise funds just by going out cold is really, really hard. Right. <clears throat> um, but if you got a, someone that, you know, that knows someone at a firm and they can make a warm introduction, like your chances of success of, of closing around or getting interest from that organization just went up tenfold. Uh, so every little piece uh, of connections really can help you through, through the process. So I really, I saw you get to, I got to see you interact with your team and I yep. respect you a lot as a leader because they really believe in you and they see you as a very valuable um, leader. But I'm curious, like what, what do you value? Like, in your leaders? Like, what do you value in the team that, for the people that are on your team? Sure. Uh, I value innovation and thinking differently, uh, really high. Uh, value diversity of opinion. Uh, so I don't want people that think like me. I want people that think different than me so they can challenge me. So, uh, so I value them challenging, but being open to, to a logical debate and, and knowing what's right and that, and also ability to compromise, right? So I'm fine with debate, but don't get like so caught into your way of thinking and think it's only right, be open, and that there may be an outcome where the combination of the ideas is the right idea, right? Um, so th those are, are, are key to me. Yeah, I heard someone describe it, uh, strong opinions loosely held. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, another one of my old board members used to, he had a saying, uh, he was like, as, you're, as an entrepreneur and as you're building things, he goes, you need to be rigidly flexible. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, because so. you, you, can't, you can't be apathetic, right? You yeah, have to yeah. like care and have some sort of formed opinion based on like experience or knowledge or something like that. But at the same time, you also have to be willing to adjust given new data. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like you can walk in with an opinion, you'd be really strong about where you're at, but as you, as with anything else, you get new data. That's a new point. It's a new set of information and you need to reevaluate your opinion based on this new data set. Right. And you have to realize that you may have to change direction based on that. So, so I imagine some people are listening right now, right? Some great technology leaders, engineers, individuals, and they're like, Whoa, I really like this David guy. I have, you know, strong opinions loosely held. I match that. 
those culture items, how would, what's the best way for them to go about learning more for like maybe a career at Flywire? Sure. Um, you know, so on, on Flywire's uh, site, there's a careers page. Uh, we're always looking to, looking to hire amazing talent. Um, and then if someone want to reach out to me directly, I'm on LinkedIn uh, under David King and Flywire. You should be able to find me. That's where I spend most of my time so in terms of social. That's the best way to get a, get a hold of me. So, Yeah. And you're a growing company, growing in every aspect, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So we will... Uh, we'll be, we're just over 400 employees worldwide today. Um, and we will probably add another hundred, uh, next year. So, so as, as we start to wrap up here, I want to know, like, what's the thing that you are most excited about? Uh, that's, uh, there's a lot of things to be excited about with what we've got going on at, at Flywire. Um, that's a really hard question. Uh, you know, I, I would say just in terms of Flywire, or just our opportunity. Uh, we are really impacting patients' uh, lives, students' lives. Um, we are in Flywire right now where we've got a startup within our startup. Um, we are going after the commercial market. Because uh, one of the things we've built is this amazing international banking network. We can transfer and move money around the world faster and more accurately than, than anyone. Um, and there's a huge need in the broader markets outside of healthcare and higher education, uh, in terms of that needs our help, like a travel industry, uh, as an example. Uh, so we're, we've got a startup going that's exploring where else we can apply our, our technology and our banking network to other industries. Uh, and I think those could dwarf what we're doing in, in, in higher education and healthcare, uh, already. Uh, so that's a really exciting market. That's a fun time to be in because that's a lot of test, fail, test, fail, test, fail. Right. And that's kind of fun stuff to be doing. So like, Hey, we got an idea. Well, that didn't work out well. Uh, so what failed? with that idea and let's iterate and, and go to the next next one so so that's an exciting component of our, our business right now and then just a growth potential that's that's ahead of us in our core markets of, of healthcare care in, in higher education so we have, we have more to do than 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 we know what to do with right now with fun 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 spot to be in is that startup like publicly launched already or no yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got, uh, we're boarding clients, it's generating revenue. So uh, it's it's small component compared to the overall healthcare and, and higher education business, but it's opportunity, it's showing very good promise early. So is it is it like another brand or is it like within, is it like Flywire this or Flywire that? Yeah, so uh, it's just, it's it's Flywire. We Internally, we call it Flywire Commercial. So, oh, cool. Uh, and then that that's very broad, right? Uh, but we may be ultimately targeting it to like Flywire Travel, right? So we're trying to find niches within the broad commercial. So, because we can't solve, we can't serve every commercial customer in the world, right? Uh, so we're trying to test certain markets within the broader commercial area, like travel, as an example. Uh, maybe like insurance companies, like where we can fit. And so then we'll kind of focus on, on those key areas. But we're testing various, various sub-markets within the commercial world. I love it. The future is bright. Yep, yep. This, David, we did it, man. We made a podcast. All right, excellent, Joel. Is there anything that else that you wanted to get out that we didn't cover? Uh, no, I think, I think it's good. You know, uh, you know, we're just, I would, I'd say anyone that's out there, that's a, a technologist or a CTO or engineer, man, I'll entertain being an entrepreneur along the way. Uh, I've loved the, the marriage of, of being both a CTO and an entrepreneur and driving and building product and, and seeing a company built off of that product. So I encourage you to, if you have that in your head that you want to consider doing that, 
take that leap. So don't be afraid to do it. Take the leap. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. That's great advice. You can come on the show and you can motivate the audience as much as you want. I'll give you the whole hour. I just, you could develop a speech. You just come in here and just Tony Robbins it to the, <laughs> inspire them to do more and achieve more. I love it, man. That's my, that's my style. Cool. David, this was great. And that's it, man. We made a podcast. All right, Joel. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Have All a productive right. day, David. All right, you too. See ya. Yeah.